Good morning, church. Hey, I want to, before we jump in, we're on part five of our teaching series, Breakthrough, What's Holding You Back? And before we jump in, just to let you know where we're going to go, next week I'll wrap this thing up, and then I think the two weeks leading into the Super Bowl of our faith, which is Easter, Resurrection Sunday, we'll do something a little different those two weeks leading into it, but uh, you'll kind of get a flavor of it with this message here. But um, I truly believe that for some of us in this room, this message is your breakthrough. I believe if you and I will begin to put these spiritual disciplines into practice, that's when everything will dawn on us and realize that has been the missing piece in my life. I've talked to a lot of followers of Jesus. They sit there and go, you know, we've done a lot of great things. I've tried to go to church. I try to read God's word. I'm in prayer. I'm in worship. But there's a saying out there that I keep hearing that there just believes to be something is missing in my life. Something is missing. And I think if you take really good notes today, you're going to find the missing piece. So turn to your neighbor and tell them to take notes. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you definitely need to take notes. You look like you could use a whole lot of notes this morning. (laughs) Just to preface before we jump into scripture, the first half of this message is going to feel preachy. The second half is going to feel teachy. Okay, this may be a message where you're going to sit and I'm going to give you a lot, but perhaps you got to watch at another day, preferably this coming week, or re-listen to this message. But I know for some of you, if you're a woman in here this morning, you may have been at the If Gathering. There you go. Right? And uh, many of you women were blessed by that event, and thank you for those that volunteered for that event. But I know when you go to a conference of any sort, it feels like at some point you're just drinking from a fire hydrant. And I know when you reach that point, there begins to be a piece of your mental capacity that's just not there anymore. You've taken in so much. And yet here I am going to be a little preachy and teachy this morning to you. So before we jump in, I want to pray for you women. That supernaturally, God will give you an extra capacity inside of your brain. Now, men, I'll pray for you too. (laughs) That you stay awake because you're at home dealing with kids and laundry and dishes. And maybe a little bit tired a little bit. Maybe for some of us, you're like, Ryan, I wasn't even at the if gathering. Don't even know what the heck you're talking about. I'm going to pray for you too. All right. So let's pray before we get into God's word. Heavenly Father. May we have the mental capacity, wherever we're sitting, wherever we are watching online, to hear from you, Holy Spirit. Clear up the clutter or the distractions that may be heavy right now on our mind and on our hearts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak into our spirit. Teach us what our eyes need to be enlightened to. Help us to see if this spiritual discipline is lacking in our lives or not. Is this the spiritual discipline we've been waiting to put into practice to get a spiritual breakthrough? Father, would you come and awaken any one of us 
who's sleeping spiritually. You've came to give life and life abundance. May we live an abundant life full of your spirit. And we pray this in the incredible name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew 17. And uh, there's going to be some correlation to Mark chapter 9. Just to give you a heads up there. Matthew 17 will be the base of where we're going to be in the New Testament. And then Mark chapter 9. But to get us there, Jesus just had an incredible experience on, on a mountain. It was known as Jesus' transfiguration. It's literally where Jesus comes off the mountain. It says like he's radiating God's glory and presence. It's, it's, it's the transfiguration event, if you look at it in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at that story. It's this idea of Jesus' divine nature being revealed to people. And Jesus gets down off the mountain, and he's immediately, there's a crowd there. And he gets to the crowd, and what's special about the crowd is that there's a father there that's in desperate need. He needs Jesus more than anything because his son is suffering with demonic forces in his life. Here we pick up Matthew 17, verse 14, reads this way. When they came to the crowd, referring to Jesus and his disciples, if Jesus got down off the mountain, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. Now take a quick time out. This morning you may be in desperation exactly like this father. You want God to show up in a big way and have a breakthrough in your life. You know that mountain that's there. You know that wall's there. That you just need God to show up. I wonder if sometimes our posture going into the presence of God is you just have to kneel before him and say, God, I need you. And you see the desperation of this father. I need you. Lord, have mercy on me. His son has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into fire or into the water. Mark chapter 9 records a little bit other things, what's going on with this son. Mark records to us that this de demon that is in his son is actually, the son is also, also mute and blind. The son is suffering with that. On top of that, this demon is violently concussing him. He's throwing him to the ground. And the son is foaming at the mouth. This dad is in a desperate situation. Oh, Jesus, I just need your healing in this moment. And some of you, you may not be that far extreme with demonic forces in your life that's oppressing you or whatever, but you may be in a desperate situation where you just need a touch of heaven right now. And that's where the father is. And then the father, as he's talking to Jesus, says this, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. This is where the tension in the story lies, is right here. Because Mark and Matthew, both of those writers, record to us what Jesus has done prior to this event. In Mark chapter 6, I'm going to show you these two verses real quick. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he, referring to Jesus, called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. 
And look what, a couple verses later, look what's happening. And they, referring to the disciples, they cast out many demons and anointed them with oil, many who were sick, and healed them. So the issue is that what is happening is Jesus has given his disciples power and authority over the unclean demonic spirits of the world. They went around healing people. If you will, our turn would be performing exorcisms. And I know for a lot of us, that's scary. But for a lot of us, demonic forces are after you. That is biblical. You follow Jesus this morning, you have a target on your back trying to trip you up. And all of a sudden, we see that the disciples who have this power and authority from Jesus, they're able to cast out not one demon, not two demons, but many demons. And the issue is, all of a sudden, in their story, back to Matthew chapter 17, I brought my son to your disciples, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. I wonder how the disciples feel in this moment. Because many people were getting healed under their ministry. Many people were seeing miracles under their ministry. They were seeing the move of God under the disciples' ministry. Then all of a sudden, it's like this mountain or this wall showed up and they couldn't do it anymore. I wonder for some of us if that's what we feel. We've been praying, we've been seeking God. Why can't I experience a breakthrough? I don't understand it. And Jesus' words, he's going he's gonna to clear it all up. And this is where you and I need to lean in. Jesus' response is this. Can we read these underlined words together? Ready? You unbelieving and generation. Whew. Those are powerful words, are they not? You unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. If I look at American Christianity today, unbelieving and perverse generation. And I love, I love people of faith. I'm afraid Jesus almost would use those words to look at American Christianity today. Because the idea of unbelieving is this idea that you're not connected to God. If you believe, you're, got, you're connected to God. The idea of perverse is the complete opposite of this. Perverse means too, you're too connected to the world. Now let's be honest. Does this not describe many American Christians today? Give me Jesus on Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday, I'm good, I don't need it. Give me the world. But then I'll hold my breath all week long and come back next Sunday and get a breath of fresh air. Jesus sits there and looks even amidst the crowd and his own disciples and says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. It's the issue of America today. I said this in first service. You know what I believe? Now, this week marks one year of our last service before we shut down for a little bit before we closed our doors. Did you know that? This is crazy. It's been, this is our, this would have been our last one. You know what I think on the other side, here's my encouragement to you first and foremost. My encouragement is this. I think there are far too many believers who 
Staying at home is more convenient than coming to a building to worship together now. Forgive me, I love you. I think for some of them, they're on the sidelines, but it's creating lazy Christianity now. You know those people in your life that may be on the sidelines and all they need is a word of encouragement from you to get them back into the game. I wanna encourage you, and don't get me wrong, there's some whose medical reasons, maybe they shouldn't even be around crowds and stuff like that, I get that. But you know what I think God is gonna use COVID and I see it and I see it in you guys and I see it with other people, that there is a deep hunger now for Jesus greater than ever. I have a feeling that COVID in the midst of it, God, I'm not saying God created it, I'm saying God will use it. And I think what he's saying to the church is, hey Christians, wake up! Stop playing the sidelines, the spiritual realm is real! It's time to get fire back into our souls and be seeking the face of Jesus. And we gotta get back there. I told you I'm gonna get preachy, it's getting hot, the jacket's about ready to come off, just saying. I see, I feel it. See, you can't hunger for Jesus and still be too connected to the world. You can't. Whew. And Jesus isn't done. Even though those are strong words by Jesus, he sits there and actually Mark chapter 9 tells us a, a really interesting dialogue that happens here that Matthew left out. So Mark chapter 9 tells us this. This is the father saying, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity and help us right now. You have to know what you're going through right now. God cares about you. He deeply cares about you and wants an intimate relationship with him. Our faith was never built on one day. Our faith is built 24-7. You don't get to put faith on on Sunday morning and put it on a shelf the rest of the week. You don't get to. But you have to know God deeply cares about you and your situation and where you're at. And he wants that intimacy with you. And I love you. I love you deeply. If I didn't, I would, I, I would not be the pastor here. But I love you in this community deeply. You got to realize I did not love this community five and a half years ago. I did not want to come back to Sergis, where my hometown. I didn't want to come back. God had to rip my heart out in Jerusalem when I was downtown Jerusalem in Israel. Rip my heart and say, you will fall in love with this community that needs me. Woo, it's awesome being used by God. It's awesome to come and say, all right, you win. Your plan is better than my plan. Guess what? Because I was getting too comfortable and our faith is never about comfortability. It's all about surrender to Jesus Christ. And it may take you outside of your comfort zone at times. Man, am I preaching this morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you. He cares about you. But listen, listen. If your friends watch your prayer life, I don't know if your friends would want to be friends with you. Hear me. Because if they saw the way you talk to God, which is a one-way street, your friends would say, I can never get a word in or be with you. See, our prayer life goes like this. God, help me do this and 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 amen, goodbye, I'll talk to you later. It's a one-way street. Communication is the lifeline to any relationship. 
And here in America, we are so dadgum busy. It's my father's word, dadgum. We are too busy that we can't slow down enough to hear God. We can't. But he cares deeply about you and wants to know your heart and how are you doing You're like, well, God knows how I'm doing. You're right, but as a parent, don't you love it when your children come to you and tell you things? That's how our heavenly father. And so here, the father sits there and goes, if you can do anything, have pity. And I love what Jesus responds. If you can, I wonder if he said that with a smile, like, do you not know I am the son of God? (laughs) Everything is possible for the one who believes. What's possible? Everything. How is everything possible? For the one who believes it. Whoo, that will speak. Ryan, but you just don't know my situation. Nope, everything's possible. Everything is possible. I'm not saying everything is easy. What I'm saying is with God, everything is possible. It's possible. This is God's word. And back in Matthew, now Matthew sits there and goes, Jesus rebuked the demons and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. The disciples came to Jesus in private, probably because they're too embarrassed that they couldn't heal the boy, and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? We tried, we tried, we tried, we believed it. Why couldn't we do it, Jesus? This father and son had to go to you, yet we were doing it. Why couldn't we do this one? And some of us relate to the disciples in this moment. You've been praying, you've been seeking God, you've been worshiping, and you're sitting there now to the moment that you're sitting there going, you know what, God, I don't get it. Listen, you do more questioning than believing now. Hear me. As a follower of Jesus, I think it's start time that we believe more than we question. However, if you do not follow Jesus this morning, I would always say keep questioning, keep kicking the tires because God is pursuing you. Keep questioning, keep kicking the tires. But at some point, faith becomes supernatural and we start doing more believing than questioning. Here's the issue. When When we do this and we do more questioning than believing, we will live in the land of doubt and not in the land of faith. But God, I just, you, you don't know what they're doing. You just know. No, stop. Stop doubting in your heart and start believing in a God who created the universe by speaking words. It's time. Right? But I, no, stop. Because from week one, we've said your faith determines how much you experience God do. Now, I think an issue is we equate can with will. Hear me, Michigan basketball is really good this year. Like number two in the nation. I believe Michigan basketball can win a national championship this year. Absolutely, I believe they can. Will they? I don't know, there's some good other teams out there. Gonzaga's really good, Baylor on a good day may beat Michigan. That's the difference between believing God can do something and God will do something. Too many of us are living in the land of will and, or can and not in the land of will. That's the difference. Remember, Jesus walks around and says, I can't perform miracles because of your little faith. 
He don't have enough faith. In his own hometown, he had to walk away because they did not have enough faith. And he says, fine, I'm done. Unfortunately, you're not going to experience more of who I am because of the lack of faith. And the disciples responded, or Jesus replied, hey, disciples, you know why you can't do it? Little faith. What's interesting is the, the disciples thought they had faith, which is not really faith at all. Because you have little faith. And Jesus continues on. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Not it can move. No, it will move in faith. This thing will move. And then Jesus says this, nothing will be impossible for you. But Ryan, you don't understand my circumstances. No, no, no. Nothing is impossible. Well, no, I just, Ryan, I, that person over there, they just, they won't change. No, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. And Jesus lands at home right here. He says this, but this kind, you know why you couldn't have that breakthrough with that child? Because this kind does not go out except by prayer and what, friends? Oh, there's the formula. Because right now there are some walls in your life will not move unless you fast and pray. Spiritual disciplines to get back into our life. I'm not going to talk long about praying because most of us, even if you don't follow Jesus this morning, most of us understand that prayer is talking to someone up there. For us in the faith, we know we're talking to God. Prayer connects us to God. It's your lifeline. It connects you to God. Remember what Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, unbelieving, you're, you're not connected enough to God. Prayer gets you there. And then he says, you perverse generation. The issue with perverse is you're too connected to the world. Fasting disconnects us from the world. You see, he, he says, you're perverse and you're unbelieving, but Jesus doesn't leave us there. Jesus gives us the answer, praying fast. Praying fast. So I'm going to get a little teachy here, and we're going to land in more on this idea of fasting. Because I believe here in America, we view fasting as a burden and not a blessing. Because here's what fasting does. Fasting is not ultimately about what we let go of, but who we will let take hold of us in the midst of that. Who will ultimately take hold here? Fasting is giving up the physical things of this world for a spiritual longing. And I'll explain a few things here in a moment. Because remember what Jesus says, this stuff is only going to come out by prayer and fasting. And perhaps for some of you, you've been praying, you've been worshiping, God, I need this breakthrough. And God is saying in this moment, pray and fast, you'll have your breakthrough. Your wall will come tumbling down because the thing that's in your way, it will only come out by prayer and fasting in this moment. So here's what we're going to do as a church. Today is, I'm setting us all up as a church body for two weeks from now. I'm the volleyball player that sets, I think that's the right word, kind of pops the ball up by the net, okay? The center. Setter? Setter. I'm the setter. Y'all are the spikers, okay? Is that the right word? Hitter? Spiker? Ah, oh, hitter. I like spiker. I'm the setter, you're the spiker. 
okay? I'm setting you up to have a home run experience with the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do in two weeks from now, because I'm, I'm, I'm giving us a setup, because I know some of us, you're like, whoa, Ryan, I love food too much. I'm not going to fast food. Hold on. What I'm going to try to do is set us up so that on March 20th, which is our first Saturday night service, we only have one, next week's our last just Sunday morning, and now we're adding Saturday nights. But we are starting 14 days of prayer and fasting starting March 20th and going through April 2nd, which is the Friday before our Easter services. It's only two weeks this time. We started January with 21. Some of you are like, whoa, 21, too much. Some of you honestly are looking at this saying, whoa, 14, how about three? <laughs> so we want to just prepare. Guess what? Now you have, pro you have 13 days to figure out what am I going to do? Here's what's really cool, what we're going to do on those Wednesdays, because it's two weeks, what we're going to do on those Wednesdays, which is March 24th and March 31, we are going to open up the church from 11.30 to noon, and we are going to corporately do a worship, and then we're going to seek God together in prayer. So 11.30 to noon, maybe I'm going to give you enough time that you can ask your boss just on the 24th and 31st, can I have lunch from 11.30 to noon, so you can get here and we can seek the Lord together. And so here's where it's going to get teachy. What am I going to ask you to do? I'm starting to land the plane, but what am I going to ask you to do? Because again, I'm the setter, you're the spiker, trying to set us up. Number one, decide what type of fast you're going to do. And I explained four different fasts back in January, but real quick, let's buzz through them. Number one, a complete fast. Now, again, if you have never fasted from food, fasting is this not consuming food, and when the hunger and that time that you normally eat, you set that aside and you seek the presence of God. Turn on some worship music, start praying, seek his face. But a complete fast means I'm abstaining from all food. If you have never done a fast, don't do a complete fast. Not healthy. Okay. If you have done a fast before, maybe if you were built up by that time, you can do a complete fast. Because in order to fast, you have to prepare yourself not only physically, but mentally. So think about a complete fast. If, you're not, if you need food, don't do it. Consult your physician. Okay, seriously, consult a physician before you do that. But maybe some of you, it's like, I'm going to do a complete fast for 14 days. And again, this is not to lose weight. This is to seek God. I know some of you. Hmm, great weight loss plan, Ryan. No, complete fast. Number two, you can do a selective fast. You're selecting certain things from your diet to completely get out for 14 days. And when those hunger, you, those hunger pains sit there and come, whoa, sneaky. When your hunger pains come, you give it up. So some of you, it may be sugar, it may be candy, it may be a pop that you're going to do. It may be, you know what, I'm going to give up meats for 14 days. I'm only going to consume... Fruits and vegetables, God help us all. But if that's you, more power to you, all right? But a selective fast, okay? Here's another fast, partial fast, right? That is you can give up a meal. So breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you decide if that's the fast you're going to do. I'm for 14 days going to fast breakfast. I'm not going to consume breakfast, right? This, I believe, is a biblical fast. Every time you see fasting, you see it's the giving up of food, setting aside to seek God. 
I'm asking you for this 14 days of prayer and fasting to select one of these. And I think we all ought to do what's called a soul fast. 14 days, don't watch Fox News. 14 days, don't watch CNN. For 14 days, stop scrolling Facebook and start scrolling the pages of God's word. A soul fast that we just break from the world. Remember fasting, disconnect us from the world. It's perverse, we're too connected and seeking God. So too fast, I'm asking us to select a food fast, but also do a soul fast for 14 days. This, this soul fast could be the best thing for you. Here's what also I'm gonna encourage you. I'm gonna encourage you if you want, and this, is, this book's only 68 pages long, to get this book, Revival Starts Here by Dave Clayton. It's a super easy read. Uh, the subtitle is A Short Conversation on Prayer, Fasting, and Revivals for Beginners Like Me. I'm telling you, I mean, look at that. That is a short read, okay? <laughs> My staff is laughing for another reason. Um, <laughs> So I, I, I'm a reader, I like books. I think you can get it on Audible if you're not a book reader, you can listen to it. So when I give staff a book, I always tell them, you know, hey, we're gonna read it. And um, I determine by how many poops you can do is how quick you can read a book. <laughs> this is a four pooper right here. In four poops, you can be done. <laughs> telling you. You bring your phone in there anyways, you sit for 10 minutes and you're scrolling Facebook, let's be honest. How about feed your soul with something good now, all right? Just saying. I don't want any more conversations asking Ryan, this actually took me seven poops to read. I don't want that. But hey, I got four copies, right? Five copies right here. All right, five copies, who wants them? I'll give you them right now. Ready? I'm going over your head. Oh, hit, it, hit it. Sorry, I can't throw. I'm, I'm trying. Heads up! Who? I got to go over here. I can't throw that far. I wish I could. I'm going to hit someone in the eyeball. Ready? I don't know who that. There you go. $12.99 or $11.99 on Amazon. It'll be here tomorrow. You can order it right now. It'll be here tomorrow. Okay? So, land on the plane. Here we go. Decide what fast you're going to do. This book, is, will, this book will help you. And also, why does it say revival starts here? Do you know every revival, look across the entire history of our faith, every revival always started with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Combo the two. It's powerful because it leads us to divine power. Whoo! Number two, expect results. Expect results that as you enter and you are deciding to set the things of this world, that God will meet you. Because James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's ready to meet you when we draw near. Expect God to show up and pray, see him, make your way up. And the last thing, three steps, that's it, is invite Holy Spirit into our lives. Invite Holy Spirit into the process with you. Because maybe perhaps for some of you, you already know what other weeks that we've had these walls that you have jotted down a thing that you need a breakthrough. But perhaps Holy Spirit, through these 14 days that we're going to start on March 20th, 
is gonna reveal some other things that are holding you back from more of him. Invite Holy Spirit into the process with us. And don't forget March 24 and 31 from 11.30 to noon, we're gonna open it up, hoping people will come. We'll probably open a song and close with a song, but then it's just us praying together corporately. Bless you. Because remember, friends, fasting is ultimately, is not ultimately about what we let go of, but who we will let take a hold of us. Oh, church, do we need more of God's presence. We need more. And when we begin to pray and fast, I believe mountains will move. Walls will come tumbling down and you'll come alive spiritually. And we're praying for that for you. We're praying it over our church and we're praying it over our community. Amen, friends? So right now, the team's just gonna close with a song and I'm gonna ask you guys to stand if you will. Go ahead and stand right now. And I really believe that this will set us up. Again, I'll I'll wrap up this teaching series next week. And then in the two Sundays, we're tying it into the 14 days of prayer and fasting. But I really believe like this is our prophetic song over our 14 days of prayer and fasting. It's called, what's it called? Glorious Day. I'm not good with songs. And here's what it says. Verse one in the chorus. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? Some of you, you need that breakthrough, right? Your breakthrough is that shame. Know that Jesus Christ died on that cross, not for you to carry it. He already carried it for you. It was my tomb till I met you. I'm ready for a breakthrough. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures, I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. You're gonna experience Jesus on a deeper, intimate level with this 14 days of prayer and fasting where Jesus is gonna call your name and you, with the power of the Holy Spirit, will break through your walls. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. Church, let's worship.